Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, episode number 43, I had the pleasure of sitting down and, and meeting with Dali Astabadi. She is the CTO of Verve.ai, Chief Data Scientist at Jones, and she's also the Chair of Critical State Labs. Dali has been focused in machine learning and augmented intelligence since 2012, and, and she's been leading and building businesses for most of her career. In our conversation, we talk about what it means to be being with the customer speed of life and learning what questions that you need to be asking. We dig deep on artificial intelligence and and what it means to be an AI-ready company. Lastly, we talk about what it means to be a leader and, and learning how to conquer challenges. But before getting started, I'd like to thank my media partners, IT World Canada and Startup Canada for the tremendous support of the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Dahlia. Thanks for having me. Dahlia, let's, I want to just get started with you. Tell the listeners, share something about you personally, what you like to do when you're not growing and leading businesses. Wow, that's a good question for that 5% of the time because... If anyone uh, <laughs> thinks there's a work-life balance, yeah. um, I, well, I think I recently started painting, and I, I find that very, uh, you know, create. It's a creative process that allows me to sort of uh, reflect and and prepare. Um, but other than that, there's, you know, there's a lot of things people don't know about me. Recently, it's been coming up. Like I ride a motorcycle. Well, I, my mother tells me I can't, but yeah. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm adventurous, and I think that's where I get a lot of source of energy and inspiration. Cool. Being a, I I used to have a motorcycle in my younger days, and I still strive to have it. I don't know if my wife would like that, and yeah. my daughter might like it when she gets older. But uh, maybe she'll be like you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I have a lot of analogies with business that I picked up from writing. So, okay. Um, I'll share that maybe later if we come to it. But yeah, no, for sure. The, the, the sort of the inertia is very different than a four-wheeler. That's right. And you pick up some interesting things. Oh, um, I like this. So I like it was this. all part of the long-term plan. Okay, great. <laughs> so let's just get started with your current organization, Verve.ai, and I think Jones as well. If you could share with us, Dalia, your current roles and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish over the next 12 months. Yeah, so what's what's interesting about the evolution of Verve.ai is it, it really began as a social intelligence platform supporting uh, relationship development for salespeople. Um, but the challenge there was you, if, you know, part of the vision was to free an organization into understanding the value of relationships and creating value for the company. So we couldn't just stick to salespeople. And as we succeeded in different systems like CRM we kept you know evolving to different platforms like marketing automation media solutions uh, DMPs and 
that forced us to rethink how we look at intelligence as a whole. So uh, currently Verve.ai with Jones, that is a partner in bringing media solutions and, and consumer solutions to market, uh, is really around democratizing data science. Uh, I learned that if you can empower the business user to uh, be informed uh, at customer speed of life, that will change how we, we do everything. And, and that's currently what we're doing. And in the next 12 months, we're releasing uh, further self-service tools that allow people to actually learn what questions they need to answer in their business. So it's really exciting. To me, and just listening to that example, it's, it seems like you're developing something new and it's really helping the organizations that, that use your service to, to learn and how to grow it itself, but it's not only for sales. You said, right? Is it exactly? It's a. It's a. It's a. Why we call it augmented intelligence is it's really a platform to help augment into the systems to remove the silos within an organization. But we actually developed our own uh, language um, uh, called augmented query language that is a utility to help translate business questions. Uh, and tap into a, 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 a series of, of data science and, and big data applications to sort of streamline the technical implementation and connect it directly with business value. Uh, I think that that's really what uh, excites me is when you see people realize what the real question uh, they need or the real business problem they have to make a decision on, they rethink metrics and, and insights really quickly. It's, it's not even a mirror. I mean, you're, you're providing different insights now, and maybe it's really fine-tuned than the traditional way of just looking at the metrics, the KPIs, and, and what our customers are saying, yeah. and you're, you're tapping to every, every system that's in place? Yeah, well, traditionally, if you go back to how we used to be in touch with business outcomes, we utilized unique business goals or, right. or KPIs. But what I find is as, you know, and we all played a role in this being in the in this different companies we were part of, but as we created functional systems, we created metrics that are presented by them. So you sell email marketing, now email click opens is a is a metric. And as you stack that, uh, companies are, are are using that to sort of represent or create a an indicator of what uh, their performance is like, but they're not really connecting that with what what real value creation um, uh, is. And so that's that's kind of our long term plan is getting people to reshift that that methodology. But for now, what's really really exciting is uh, giving people back the sense of power when it comes to data and insights. And one of our uh, advisors and mentors, um, you know, helped. Uh, influenced me on this where he says real insight has to come in the form of a surprise right if it doesn't it's just information and that is sort of the the real moments i look for where you know when the you aha see moment it. that's yeah. amazing yeah well i'm excited and you've been it's been around verve is fairly fairly new it's fairly new it's sort of an evolution for uh -huh. those that do know me yeah. know that i've been tackling machine learning um right uh, as a soul <laughs> i was a very lonely person uh once upon a time uh in this but it's really evolved and and you know i think that's a really important thing is is i i never 
I wasn't quenched with where I thought data and intelligence can go and, and it keeps evolving and I uh, hope to see where it goes from there. No, for sure. I mean, it sounds exciting. I mean, I have a technical background and it sounds like you're tapping into something new and it's it keeps you energized mm-hmm. to come to work. And Wasn't really- that, That's how you got into marketing. Yeah, right. right? You were a technical guy yes. who had questions that you thought the business team should answer that's and right and see why what, what the value is and, and really understand that and and th- th- this stuff is really interesting and so i'm really excited to see where you and the company grows as well in that scope but dolly as i did my research uh, b- b- yeah well my linkedin research and google that is i mean I, you know i look at your career and you have a very colorful career you work for many reputable companies like xenos eloqua redney critical path and you started a number of organizations as well i think real sociable club runner and now your current organization verve.ai i mean you have a large scope of business leadership experience i'd love for you to share some key moments or perhaps even challenges um, that you encountered that made you find out you had to do maybe a hard decision that eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader um yeah well in hindsight i can always say this was all planned yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i've been fortunate to pick them uh right as some have said but um but uh, but i'll tell you the 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 biggest moment that i've taken for granted uh being you know either as an entrepreneur or working with such amazing startups is the quality of talent that i've always been surrounded by i took it for granted um, that, you know, I, I had a group of people that were constantly, um, you know, pursuing excellence and pushing themselves. And that I think I've only come to realize later in life, but it was really part of the, the, the need to challenge myself for growth. Um, one of the things that uh, I at an early age uh, made a decision to do was not get caught up in the corporate ladder. Right. You know, starting out your your career as a you know as an entrepreneur or with a startup has a different uh, tone. But because of that, I really started building goals that allow me to continuously replenish my skill sets. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time um, I because uh, I I was a technical person that transitioned into technology driven marketing, which at the time uh, was very lucrative but also rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it was great to meet companies. And one of the things I always said is, I don't care what you pay me, what the title is. I just want the opportunity to influence the the success of this business. And if I can measure that um, and repeat it or 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 add to it, I'm not. I'm growing, and I'm going to pick up skills. And that was the, one of the first challenges you have to overcome because. We, we live in a world where it's, we, you know, we, we tend to think it's your title and what you, you have. But um, that was one of the first things that I think I said, you know what, I'm going to continuously put a set of goals that I can do uh, with a company. And that's really what allowed me the opportunity to keep transitioning. It's almost like, you know, one chapter opened the next to the next. And in hindsight, it really filled a palette of things that, um, you know, it was like I have a war chest of stories that I didn't realize at the time, but were were essential in how to 
be rational, how to think about business, how to cope with adversity, how to deal with talent gaps, talent issues. Um, but what's really cool is doing it while you're having fun. Right. Startups is, is so much more hands-on. No, that's that's great. And because it was a mix of enterprise-type companies and startups, did you find yourself going back and forth until you found something? I mean, and it's funny you brought up title and not getting wrapped up around title because that releasing that or, or that need to have a title is is, is very it's, it's very um, big. I mean, a lot of people can't do that. And it's funny for the listeners out there. Before we press record, we were talking mm-hmm. about titles and, and how myself and Dali actually. Um, are we entrepreneurs? Are we artists? And 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 we're still having this issue with today with titles. And 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 I think that was that was a great insight in terms of where you sit on that. But where I was going with that is, did you find yourself going back and forth because of that strive to to learn more? Or no, it was an evolution. Um, and I and and like it was always around the challenges. And um, I also you know, fulfilled my goals. And that was one of the things I always, you know, share with people is, you know, I'm never someone who leaves an organization not fulfilling my obligations. It's, um, I think those who don't know how to conquer challenges will have a tough career, uh, especially if you're starting out now. Um, So that I I think it was never a, a, a transition or a uh, a change because I was looking for something new. Uh, I think I was always looking to do more and more. And, you know, this period was also where automation and tech really expanded. So it was really around continuing to push forward and try new things and work with different companies. And, and, and the real gift was I got to work with more and more amazing people. No, that's great. And it actually, it's, it's a great segue in terms of what I was going to ask um, around switching organizations, whether you're leading or you're joining an existing team, is how did you personally adjust to moving to, say, an existing team, whether it's a leadership or just someone with who just had specific goals? Like, mm-hmm. Were there any key things that you did or how, how did you evolve as well when you're transitioning into different organizations? I think... It- one, it's it's being able to know that you're going to work with someone because even if you are self-employed, uh, even as a company of one, you're serving somebody bigger than yourself. And, right. and so, uh, first first mindset is don't get caught up in in what it is that you're doing. Uh, look at why you're there. And this has been a, a really interesting thing. Uh, that I've been thinking about recently, even as we go through our growing pains, is what I came to realize is because I was never a, was never an, uh, an inorganic hire, it was always through people who knew me and I got to know the team and I would do the same thing. I learned that it was people who are confident, who are ready to bring strength. And when someone is em- empowered to bring uh, new things to the table, that really removes a lot of, you know, the the tension or the things that happen in, in sort of corporate world as we hear it. Right. Um, but one of the big takeaways that I, I, I share and advocate about this is it's really a reflection about who you are as a company and as a leader. Um, and and when when you seek people to, to hire or grow with you where you want them to be smarter than you, you want them to tell you what to do, 
that is really a company that is ready for growth, where if you take on a more, you know, you hire people who are good at doing um, a job, a job yeah. you're in the either, you know, you're not in an aggressive growth or innovative space. Um, and so that has been something that I've come to, to really um, be exposed to and pick up signals on, even when I work with customers and how they evaluate uh, employees. You have many interests given your career path. I mean, you talked about all this AI, this machine learning. I'd love to get you to just talk more about AI-ready marketing. I mean, this is something you've discussed, you, you mentioned to me before. What does that all mean, I mean, to us and maybe to you? And, and what, what are we looking for in the mm -hmm. future? It's funny, it's this thing we've been coining, but I, I think it's it's picking up some, some coverage uh -huh. because... AI, you know, where it is today and or even the technology that represents this term that's being used in the market is is just another application or technology and AI ready in its true form is a company that is truly ready to change uh, how they they operate, mm -hmm. how how they look at their value creation process uh, because if you really understand that to embrace the, the possibilities of AI or, or scaling up your business to a new level, um, it's more than just a technology problem. It's a human problem, a psychological problem, a process problem. And that complexity uh, requires a, a whole new way of design thinking and approach to it. So being AI ready, whether you are a, a company in market selling solutions or you're a company that's looking to invest in it really requires you to rethink how you look at process and 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 get out of this sort of predictable application uh, concept um, because if you're there then implementation becomes really uh, cultural it doesn't become uh, a functional issue how do you foresee and maybe you're working with clients now these AI-ready organizations, does that come top-down? Is there a champion who's mm -hmm. like, you know what, we have to change, we have to try to embrace this this technology, this verbal, yeah. AI? Yeah, it's a lot like, of snakes and ladders, Yeah, <laughs> um, really. I, I think it depends on, on who you're speaking to and, and, and what background they've, they've come from. Um, you know, I, I think you've been in this, we've been in this bubble where we remember we had CFOs and CEOs telling us that marketers don't need email systems. Yeah. Marketers don't need analytics system. Marketers don't even need any technology. Today they control a significant budget uh, of technology investments, but that in itself is part of the, the, the shift uh, and resistance because we've applied these silo stacks. And again, when we talk about the possibilities of AI, it's really around answering things that we didn't know were imaginable or uh, giving exposure to blind spots that we could improve at a, at a speed. And that can't be um, project managed like another technology solution in your stack. Right. So it is a mix and I think it comes down with open communication and definitely top down when it comes to where they think this will impact their value creation uh, approach. If, if they're not interested in shifting, it's it's just another lipstick on a pig and, and a shelved product as far as I'm concerned. I love te talking about technology personally and it's something I think about and having you here, 
I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of how do you foresee like the workforce when everything really really changes I mean there are talk in the news that the job force is gonna change we're losing jobs to these computers these robots you know Alexa's taking it over like like how, how, there's a big shift happening and who's gonna be the leader and saying okay yeah. this is what we're gonna be doing actually well I bought a beach house in Argentina just to get ready for my my obsolete uh, oh, okay. I like that <laughs> uh, another secret that's out but um, no uh, the reality is there's two things yeah uh, one there are a lot of companies out there who you know are saying that they're automation AI tools and they're gonna get rid of a, a lot of jobs that may be right but I also think it's the wrong applications of AI and I'm not talking about you know the autonomous vehicle and all the things that are happening there uh, in the enterprise sort of b2b or you know marketing uh, side of things um, that's not really uh, effective and if and and if we're we're replacing people with simple automation tools we haven't leveraged the proper and technology. they're not and they were not AI ready so this is kind of the this this first phase the second is if you're not prepared to evolve your job uh, you know that I think is a whole other issue um, again there's you know, I used to design every HTML email. <laughs> I I don't wow. anymore. I've given that to very you know commoditized applications that do that. Have I improved myself because of letting go of doing that? Absolutely, and I think people need to embrace that. Uh, and then the third is really around um, is really asking what is going to be uh, important. Uh, you know, one thing I always say: machines are still really good for process and automation and removing bias humans are still the best for strategy and decision making so it gives us a chance to elevate now on the the last thing I, I recently started hearing about and, and looking into is this fear also about job replacement right. one of the things that AI and, and the f promise of it uh, can do is is it can't replace emotional intelligence That's right. so uniquely a lot of jobs that we think are are easily replaceable or not where those that have a very high market uh, or market rate so you know doctors will be one of the easiest things to even trust a machine where a nurse is not a teacher is not and so what I do think will be interesting is the shift in what professionals uh, perception and value will be and and I I'm not sure if it will be in, in the next Five years, ten years, thirty years, but it's in our lifetime. It'll be in our lifetime for <laughs> no, sure. Definitely, nothing would. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, one thing when I doing the podcast, I, I get a lot of insight in terms of who people look to for business leadership, mentorship, or or even just some some direction. I know you mentioned to me before we even met. You talked about that you relate to the pre-tech bubble leaders like Clay Christensen, Ogilvy, and Jack Welsh. Um, so why do you say that and, and what's the difference? Well, I think, first of all, I, I, I may have had a bit of help because my father was a technologist from the 60s and 70s and so his, his view has always made an impression with me and um, but at the same time uh, you know Clay who I quote often these guys had dreams that were bigger than what we do today um, you know Jack created something that that's unique and although we sometimes 
look at the negative things, if you really break down what he was able to accomplish, that is impossible for someone today. Ogilvy changed the way we looked at advertising and created a, a model and a framework that is that is so inherent in everything we do. Um, but at the same time, there was that, you know, uh, intuitive self where there was they they all had something whether it was you know the adversity they faced the challenges their upbringing they brought so much more than um than what what i think is being celebrated today so i can't necessarily say i don't see um mentors and people that inspire me in today's world but we tend to look at very different milestones you know bill gates had a crazy dream to have a computer in everyone's house right you know it's very different when you have ubiquity and you say you want one additional app right it 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 really transformed an entire way of of doing and thinking for them to establish what they were were able to do clay uh being a, a professor i find has just almost simple ways of helping people understand that the old with the new mm -hmm. um, if I could simplify that no I mean it's it's definitely there were a lot of technology in the late in the late 21st century that that came came out of that the base of I guess your father's uh, genre it's not the right word yeah. but era yeah right so I mean the, here's a question for yeah. you like take two of the largest take five largest companies we have today in technology and how many of them actually make the revenue that is met by their speculation or their their, their value? How many of them generate and create product that is a new business model, if not beyond advertising revenue? You know, and, and that I think is the, the challenge I find is, you know, value to me isn't just simply financial modeling and monitoring it's changing people's behavior now again bezos would be one you know he's probably not even considered tech bubble because he was part of the original yeah dot com he was he was you know? he was there early he was there early he was there and aol days persistently <laughs> went under yeah. the radar till he turned out to be the biggest company in the world you recently read the innovator's dilemma can you share with us your biggest takeaways from that book? Hmm. We'd need like a whole hour, but, but I think one of the quotes that I like using, and I use this in a lot of presentation is Clay's and, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you know, he always says, if you're a startup right now, you've already been disrupted. This sure. concept of innovation and it's, you know, innovation and disruption are two words I don't like using because the truth is, are you able at this moment in time understand what innovation is? Uh, and I have this thing I use a lot where I show two, two financial graphs of companies and I say, which one would you invest in? And of course, everyone picks the one that looks like the hockey yeah. stick. And I turn it around and show that one is Blockbuster and one is Netflix. You know, and, and that's where I say, well, how come no one saw that coming? Yeah. Um, you know, Clay has a really interesting way of looking at even expressing the issues around how to disrupt. You know, this this thing around Blockbuster not being able to see it coming wasn't necessarily uh, their fault. It's how they thought they can shift and, and how startups are doing it in this very 
agile way, an iterative way. Uh, and that's always the challenge is as you build legacy and big customers and process, those processes are what make you successful. And to try to flip it on its ears is really the impossible. So he, he big takeaway too is, is in how we do things today where as we see ourselves in need of a different skill set or a different sort of attribute to our, our, our core values, you absorb that. Right. You don't try to internally change. And that's probably one of the biggest takeaways for me uh, right now that, that come to mind. Uh, but if you haven't gotten to know uh, the book or, or Clay, I, I definitely recommend it for people. Fun question, and I love to ask this of, of business leaders, of guests, guests of the podcast, is if I were to ask any, any one of your team, your colleagues, peers, present, past, what the best business leadership quality you have, what do you think they would say? Or, or what, what do you hope they would say? Well, I actually do this often. I do ask people <laughs> oh, wow. um, because I, I, I come to realize one of the qualities that you could think is a strength is I demand and I expect a lot of greatness. And whether it's because I see potential in people and, and those who have worked with me all go on to become rock stars. And, and so I believe in that. Uh, but because of that, I tend to want to see people move at a different pace that I ask people. Uh, in fact, um, few few things that come um, that people would say is that she sees the big picture, um, but again, kind of really helps nurture the small pieces. Uh, I'm empathetic, and although I used to think that was a weakness, um, I've come to shift that to say I used to be very emotional as a personal being, but now. I think as a business, and although a business has no emotions, it, it should have uh, respect for, for the people that are in there. Uh, resourceful is probably another one. Uh, I've, uh, and give people opportunities. I think that is one that makes me happy. And, and if I see people grow around me, it, it's a source of energy. So Dahlia, what else? Do you have any other special projects, initiatives, or anything fun that you're looking towards or even excited about? Well, I, I am actually, and it's uh, it's a project we've been working on almost secretly for a while, oh. where we, we originally had UFT projects, or we, they called it the old secret lab, okay. where we'd work with industry partners and uh, students and our company, and come to realize that when we look at what's happening in the world and, and, and how we work with our academic um, sort of partners, there's this thing that we always try to influence both to students and to our clients, but also share with startups. Because mm -hmm. um, so if you look at today, there's a lot of pressure and, and you know excitement around getting startups off the ground or getting big companies to invest, there isn't much there on how to really commercialize. And when you look at that proposition and how it fits with academia, uh, it becomes really interesting. So we're, we're working on um, um, critical state labs, which is essentially exactly what it is. If, if you know the sand uh, experiment where every time you drop a piece of sand, the way it forms and the way it collapses is unique. But there's all this complexity that happens right before an unpredictable event. And that, I think, is the world we live in. Um, we can't operate in, in any way, but, but we're really excited. We've got some awesome partners, and the real motivation is we're going to give 
uh, students and and startups an opportunity to commercialize um, their their technology and be part of a, a growing ecosystem, which is what really has to change in, in the marketplace. So I'll send you the link, but it's a it's a work in progress. It's not official till next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anyone's interested in participating, do let me know. Um, really having a blast, and I know you and I could probably talk about many things outside of business, and really. Uh, really go all night i mean we were we were we were joking about uh uh i mean if you guys could see us now we're actually sitting on the floor and having having a shisha with us and relaxing so it's uh i i don't know if we could get this end but before we do i'd love to get some final thoughts some observations ideally some some type of actionable recommendations that you could share to the listeners out there who are how they're sitting there listening and how they could grow as a leader or or you know set their goals or anything you provide some insight yeah i think everyone knows the sort of i don't say cliche but you know there's a lot of content out there but one thing that i haven't vocalized uh, much uh, in the past to others or even publicly is this sort of what i call the rite of passage you know every now there's this sort of dirty secret in the business where it's like things don't go right bad investments, bad hires, you lose money, you, 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 you get real bad things that, you know, people threaten you or, or what have you. And I used to think that was a, a, an issue with me. And I, I tend to now think it's a rite of passage. Truly growing into a strong leader is being able to compartmentalize and know where to apply your energy and resources to, to keep this engine going. It's, uh, it's not a test of your emotional, uh, you know, uh, clout or how to make everybody happy. You're never right. going to make everybody happy. And, and you know, uh, number two I, I learned is that irrational people will never be rational. True. And so once you <laughs> once you're able to distinguish that, it, it makes life so much easier because um, you rather take all that relentless problem solving um and passion into into a, a path that could contribute value to the people around you yeah instead of banging banging it on the head and trying to get them to understand exactly <laughs> it's uh it's it's a there's it's a big world it is take your time it is Adalia, to close please tell us where we can find more information about you verve ai and, and the special projects uh, that, that that we want to share to the world yeah, well, I'll geotech that little house uh, on the coast. Uh, but in the meantime, I spend most of my time in Toronto. Um, we can post links. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody. You can submit a form on our website, email me directly, find me on LinkedIn, Dahlia Asterbadi, um, and anything to help keep this conversation going. Uh, I think Edwin and I would probably want to know uh, even this whole entrepreneurship thing. Maybe yeah. we can do a little survey afterwards. A hundred percent. All right. And so it's been a pleasure, Dahlia. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast, Episode 43 with Dahlia Astrobati. To learn more about Dahlia, verb.ai, or any of the various topics that we discuss, please go to the Business Leadership Podcast slash 043. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out directly to me via social media or email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you again 
for all who have reached out, who left me comments, support. I really appreciate you and I hope you're gaining as much insight as I am. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm grateful for you. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.